Hello, I am the host of Shifting Culture, Joshua Johnson. I just want to come on before the episode and tell you all thank you for listening. Did you know that big things are coming for Shifting Culture and you can be a part of it? We have just launched a Patreon. When you become a monthly patron to the show, you will get our episode ad-free, get early access to episodes, be able to download episode guides, and get bonus shows. Go to patreon.com slash shifting culture to support all that we are doing. Your support means that we can continue to help the body of Christ look more like Jesus. Again, go to patreon.com slash shifting culture. Thank you so much. Now, on to the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Shifting Culture Podcast, in which we have conversations about the culture we create and the impact we can make. I'm your host, Joshua Johnson. Go to shiftingculturepodcast.com to interact or donate. If you're enjoying this podcast, please go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and leave a rating or review and share this podcast with your friends or your network. It will greatly help us reach more listeners. Thank you so much. Previous guests on the show have included Craig Westoff, Brian Sanders, and Shayla Visser. You could go back and listen to those episodes and more. But today's guest is Carrie Sims. Carrie serves as the director of, of the Center for Faith and Leadership in Fredericksburg, Virginia, where she and her husband, Gannon, are training and equipping the next generation of leaders through faith formation and leadership development. As the founder of Created Space, Carrie offers short courses on listening and discernment in a collaborative environment. We have a great conversation around faith being caught, not taught, creating spaces for listening, discernment, and beauty, and much more. There is some slight background noise in this episode, but power through that because it's a really good one. Here's Carrie. Well, Carrie, welcome. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. It's going to be a good time. Great to be here. Thanks, Joshua. Yeah. Uh, Tell me uh, your own personal journey of discerning God's voice so that you could step into your purpose. Mm, wow. Yeah, it's a big one. I haven't had to articulate <laughs> that in a while. Discerning God's voice so I could step into my purpose. Um, I think, you know, I mean, it's interesting you use the word discerning because uh, that's been a huge part of my journey. In fact, um, my spiritual hero before kind of my pre-Christian days was St. Ignatius of Loyola. And Mm. I, when I was searching for God, I just read everything that I could get my hands on that he wrote and that the exercises he created. And so discernment has been something I've been pursuing and really cultivating in my own life for ever since I was a a kind of got serious about God in my late twenties. So I guess it really started there. I used, I, I sometimes say that the first person of the Trinity that I met was the Holy Spirit where God just broke in and got my attention in really very un, you know, so, so supernatural ways, not yeah. so natural. So it started there where I just realized that God was interacting with, um, with people that he was still speaking, mm-hmm. that he was getting their attention. And so uh, truly a lot of, of my um, calling, I think has to do with helping people, tune in to hear God's voice and really be able to discern his activity for themselves. Yeah. And, um, but that started right away. If I think about it, um, I just kind of got pulled into this 
um, kind of um, just the spirit realm, the spirit realm. It wasn't, it wasn't going to church. It wasn't, you know, singing songs. Yeah. It was kind of me and God, like him getting my attention in crazy ways. And, and now I realize that he wants us all to live like that. Yeah. And I feel called to really help people press mm. in and walk, walk with Jesus in that way, that ongoing everyday way. Mm. So what does it look like to help others discern God's voice in the middle of that? Yeah. Um, you know, some of it is just um, basic kind of helping people slow down mm-hmm. and um, helping people notice what's happening around them in their day to day and um, and just be more reflective about their life and not just so uh, productive and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, task oriented. So I find a lot of my job is just slowing people down so that they can mm-hmm. actually pay attention to what's happening around them and where God might be getting their attention. Um, and I have developed a small, a short six week course, um, just sort of an introduction to listening, Mm -hmm. which, you know, includes, uh, just some prayer exercises that have been helpful to me that are, that are very accessible that, um, even people who I've had, I've had engineers come through no, no judgment Mm -hmm. on engineers, but I've had people who are, you know, consider themselves to be more analytical come through and say, I don't hear God this way, but I'm, but I'm curious about how I might. And so it's been really cool to watch, um, Mm -hmm. people at all levels, just kind of interact with God in that way. So I've developed a small course. I'm also, as I, um, mentioned to you earlier, um, I'm on the the board and the the team for Accessible Prophecy North America. So we're we're in the process of really um, broadening our reach and offering um, year long huddles for mm, folks yeah. that are interested in really pressing in and um, practicing hearing God uh, for themselves and for others in a regular way throughout the year. Um, so those are some practical ways, but most of it has to do with just helping people slow down and notice mm. what God's doing in their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, this may be a little uh, a little off, but I, I think I heard this in prayer, and I want to explore a little bit about how uh, your your family informed your faith journey, um, and specifically tr- like growing up years. What was uh, <laughs> what was yeah. that like? Oh, let me think about that for a second. <laughs> well. Um... Okay. So, I mean, we were a church going family. Mm-hmm. My dad was always a deacon somewhere. Um, denominations weren't important. We were just always connected to a local church. And um, so I grew up going to church and it was very much part of our regular rhythm. Um, and I credit that to me never doubting yeah. that God was real or the Bible is true or Jesus was who he said he was, but it never, um, in my growing up years, it did yeah. not land for me in a way that I felt like this is a person I'm following that I'm in relationship with. It was very much a set of beliefs that mm. I, I agreed to. Yeah. I was, I never doubted any of it. Um, I did not understand that it was a lifestyle to be that I was choosing mm. until, until my late twenties. Yeah. Um, and so my growing up years, I'm thankful because, you know, at least I had that foundation and I, um, yeah, I, I had a foundation of, of knowing what was true. Yeah. Um, but what I didn't understand was um, how to walk that out and how, mm. to, how to embody that, what I believed. 
so I've spent, I guess the next, <laughs> the next <laughs> 20 years, um, you know, really pursuing that and, huh. um, kind of, yeah, stepping out in, in faith and, and trying to live in that sort of everyday way, missionary way with Jesus. Mm-hmm. So how did you, so as you're you're growing up and you're thinking of something as a set of beliefs and this is just a, a framework for you, um, how do we get people to to move from knowledge into embodying faith and knowing that life with Jesus is really it's holistic and it impacts everything that we do? Yeah, great question because. Um, so much, so much of church. And I mean, my context is American church. Mm -hmm. Um, but so much of that as, um, has to do with feeding our intellect, I I think. And so it is a big, it is a big shift to get more right-brained, um, with folks. But, um, I think, I think we're at the moment right now where, um, where the things, things that have been working before, even, in a mediocre way are no longer mm. even working that well. And so I do feel an openness um, for, for people to, to desire experience of God rather than information about God yeah. or understand even intellectual understanding yeah. of like, you know, but ex- actual experience, lived experience with him, whether it's just in prayer or in community or in life. I just, I feel that people are really, there's an openness, even mm-hmm. non-Christians. I mean, there's a spiritual hunger yeah. that I'm seeing with, the, I work mostly with young adults and mm-hmm. I'm seeing it with them, but I'm also just seeing it with people I've known for a long time who have experienced um, such difficulty over the last couple of years are, mm-hmm. are asking different kinds of questions. And so I don't know if I'm answering your question, but um, I think just um, inviting people into experiences of God. I mean, in our house church context, we, um, we spend time listening and praying for one person every week. Mm. And, and the idea is that, you know, they don't say, Oh yeah, I want prayer because of all these things. We just say, we discern who needs prayer. And Mm. um, sometimes it's really obvious. Sometimes it's not. And then we listen and we say, Lord, what do you want this person to know? And Mm. what's amazing is um, people who have, you know, people who are even uncomfortable with that, level of listening and then you know allowing god to use your imagination are really growing in that yeah it's also a really cool testimony when you know maybe a non-christian or or not so christian comes to house church and is experience watching this happen and watching these people like say these scriptures and share these images over this person in prayer and then they start crying and you know basically their prayers that they did not voice are being answered and so Mm. I think it's about inviting people into experience with God Yeah, and we just have to model it. I mean, I just think leaders have to model, get uncomfortable and model some things um, that hopefully starts to shift the culture. Yeah. I think modeling is definitely going to help a lot. Um, You know, in that house church context, it seems like you're able to, to be more experiential than a lot of services are yes. traditional services are true how, yep. how can how do you go in and be more experiential in the house church setting well there's several ways i mean i just mentioned we end our time with this prophetic prayer yep. exercise um we begin our time by just sharing simple um thanksgivings what you're grateful for mm-hmm. um you know how you're seeing god in your life just bearing testimony um a shared testimony 
because we really believe that um, Sunday is not is not the church event. That how we live our life all week long is the church yeah. event. We come together once a week to celebrate what God's doing and already done. And um, so, just bearing testimony is um, is one way, and then you know checking in with each other. And then um, one of my favorite. I love our preaching moment. I mean, I just love our preaching moment. It is, uh, we read, we read the scripture. We do Lectio Divina, sort of mm. the ancient slow read of scripture. We read it four times with yeah. four different voices, men and women, and sometimes different translations. We used to try and monitor that. And then we were like, no, um, we're just going to mm. let it be. So people hear the scripture as yeah. it was intended. And, and then we, we share how God's getting our attention, what he's calling us to personally, and maybe even, how he's challenging and inviting us as a community to respond. What's amazing is that becomes a preaching moment. Yeah. And my husband and I are familiar with preaching. Um, we, for the longest time, you know, when, when we first started doing this, we were just astounded at how pretty much every, every Sunday, um, the, the sermon that we would have preached got spoken. It was just mm. done collaboratively in the moment yeah. together. And all the, all the points that we would have hit got hit. And, and now we don't even like talk about it anymore because it's just the regular thing that happens. <laughs> yeah. And so, so I don't know, that's uh, maybe that's more of what you're looking for. That Yeah. That's beautiful. That's, I feel like the younger generation is, you know, I had, we had one of our students actually, she's still, in, she was still in school when she said this last year, but um, she said, you know, you know, for us, we go to school all day and yeah. we hear people tell us things mm-hmm. and even sun. So Sunday, you know, we go and we hear people just preach a sermon at us and, we just, we have some things we want to say, or, you know, things yeah. we want to talk about, or we want to ask about. So, so in this, this context that you're in, are these, uh, these mostly people that have been in like a traditional church setting in the West yeah. and then coming in, or are they uh, new believers, uh, people that don't yet know Jesus? Uh, what, what's the setting like? It's both. I would say the majority are people who are familiar with a tr- more traditional church mm-hmm. setting, but there is, um, I would say there's a good 25% that are, you know, have kind of found their way to faith or to Jesus, um, through the setting or through our ministry or, you know, or the lives of those yeah. of us who are living together. And that's, I think that is, I'm glad you asked that because I think that's one of the key things here is, our new, the way that our new, the new believers talk about God. I mean, it's, it's incredible because they are, they've caught something. They haven't been taught much of anything, but they have caught something that is lived and that they're able to put into practice and, and bear witness to. And Mm. so I feel like I just want to start recording some of what they say, because um, (laughs) that's, I think that's where that's the biggest um, sign of, of the fruit, I think. But mm. well, isn't that like what Jesus did with his disciples as well, that a lot of the things that really happened, the significant moments were on the journey along the way, yeah. and they weren't the big Sermon on the Mount sermon for the disciples. It was, you know, Jesus stopping and talking to Peter on the road. And, you know, yeah. that, you know, upon you, the rock, I will build my church. And yeah. These significant things happen along the way, and they caught who Jesus was. So how do we live our life and orient our life in a way that we can have the 
have people catch what mm-hmm. life in God is supposed to be about? Well, I mean, one of the ways we do it, I guess, is yeah. um, just taking every opportunity to invite people into our lives. Um, mm-hmm. You know, get, my husband and I, um, although we wanted to have children of our own, we, we, we haven't had children of our own. And so we've just made our home a place where people come and go. And especially these 20 year olds just come and go and know they there's always extra food at dinner and um, that this is a place where they can come and, and wrestle and ask questions or anyway. So there's just kind of, there's always room at the table. And, um, mm. and I mean, any, I, I feel like, you know, it may be a little more challenging for families at certain stages, but um, that's been one thing that we've tried to encourage our, our folks with is mm. even if you're in your dorm room, you know, yeah. um, you can, there's, you know, just make space for people and, and just invite them into what you're doing. It's kind of like, be with me being with Jesus and, or, you know, just live life with me as I try and follow Jesus type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, and it, I don't know, just, I think the shared, the shared life and the kind of the whole life discipleship um, is what really uh, just gets people's hearts and, and, and yeah. starts to ch- change the way they think. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, you're also looking like it sounds like as you're working with with young adults, you're close to campus. Yeah. So intentionally, we may have to move. We may have to move to a place where we could actually have these incarnational moments, these these moments where people are in and out of our house. And not everybody gets it when you're out living, you know, maybe on a farm in the suburbs, you may not be able to get that. So we may have to be uh, intentional with with where God is calling us to move or live or be around people. 100%. Yes. We, you know, we very much kind of lean into the Luke 10 principles of not just being hospitable when people come into your space and being, you know, sincere and curious about their lives and what God's doing, or even if they don't have that language, but it's just carrying a spirit and a posture of hospitality wherever they go. And um, people are um, able to be even more creative with this sort of, I don't know, age we're in, mm-hmm. um, where life just looks different. Yeah. Than it has. Yeah. I'd love to, to venture off a little bit and go into a uh, really a business entrepreneurial space, mm-hmm. um, you know, in your work with entrepreneurs or maybe in your work with business, how do, how do we get uh, a place where business can actually make an, a, a big impact uh, socially, um, spiritually? How do we not have such a, a dichotomy of businesses mm-hmm. over here and faith mm-hmm. is over on the other side? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that is, it's, that is a big, that's a big passion of mine. It's a big part of my, my work that I've, I've been involved in. I, I was in business first. I mm-hmm. um, was my, I got a, um, my master's in business before I went to seminary and was working in a family business and very much felt like this is the platform for ministry. I'm going to, um, I'm going to use this as my platform for ministry and did that for probably eight years on um, my way to ministry, seminary, all that. <laughs> Um, but now in my work here for the last five years, I've been, um, running a discipleship process for entrepreneurs and business owners mm. in my little locale, my small town of Fredericksburg. And what's been really cool is to see these entrepreneurs, these men and women who lead businesses in our city, 
and in the region, just grab hold of this idea that, um, that who I am going to church on Sunday um, actually um, has potentially more potential to impact people. I mean, that I, what I tell them is, you know, I'm now in this ministry role where I used to be in business yeah. role. And I, what I say to you is you have more potential, I think, to make an impact for the gospel from your marketplace platform and how you treat your employees and how you treat your clients and how you just live your life and yeah. how you respond to what's happening in the world. Um, you have a, I think the marketplace and business owners and entrepreneurs have a, have a, um, almost a, have the potential to have more impact than, mm-hmm. than clergy um, at this state. And so, so anyway, so it was really fun to watch them just kind of have these like aha moments where they were able to see like how integrated God was asking their life to be yeah. and, um, and really make some changes. So um, yeah, I think, you know, um, for too long, it's been, you know, I feel like for <laughs> I still see this, but you know, where ministries and even churches and pastors are interested in the business people, maybe for the money that they might tithe. And, and I've just, I've never seen it that way. I I just haven't, I've seen about the potential for impact to really come alongside. And I just think with the church is full of lots of bored Christians that maybe do really interesting stuff when Mm -hmm. they're not at church and the church (laughs) needs to find a way to like take their gifts and bless them and, and set commission them. Yeah. Um, so that's a big part of my passion. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the things, you know, growing up, I went to in high school, I went to this, uh, this, this really, really good Baptist church and, in, in you know, the suburb of Seattle. And, you know, one of the things that our pastor did every year was commission those business people and commission the teachers um, you know, the district of saying, hey, you are light uh, in the world and you have an impact and you can be a minister where you're at. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's a, a beautiful thing to, to see um, that model for me, you know, at you know an early age in high school saying, oh, there is something. Wow. It was not a dichotomy of Hey, there's this this sacred space that we are in here, and then you're just in a secular space and world, and it doesn't really intermingle. Um, yeah. And so I was very fortunate in that. What is that? Uh, how do we get to a place where we don't have the sacred and secular divides, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. comes together as all all of life is sacred? I mean, I think a lot of it does have to do with the leadership in the, in the spiritual or sacred places. Yeah. That. Um, that kind of give people permission to be, to be on mission, to be in ministry in their day-to-day lives. And, um, you know, my husband was reminding me recently that like to be part of the early church, you weren't, there were just things you weren't allowed to do, you know, Mm. work for the government, be, be an actor. Like there were just things that, you know, and that's, and, and now we just have this overlap of everything and, and everything is, everything is sacred. Everything is, um, as at Wendell Berry that says, um, things are either sacred or desecrated. I mean, there's just, Mm. there's a way to, um, to approach every space and every environment, um, kind of in awe of where God Mm. might present himself. And, um, 
so yeah, I think part of it is, is leaders, you know, spiritual leaders yeah. giving people permission to live that way, which I think is a big part of it. I mean, I, I think there's still a tendency, um, you know, for, for people to, and not just pastors, but like parishioners to kind of keep their spirituality kind of contained yeah. to Sunday. Um, I think it's, I think it's mutually, it seems like there's some odd mutual benefit to, to keeping it there. I even think of how the art, the, the role that the arts play in, you know, um, just holding up beauty that doesn't yeah. have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be religious art to communicate um, God's beauty and his essence and mm. his goodness. And so I just am excited to see how the arts, you know, play a role in evangelism and in proclamation over yeah. this next, in this next season. My pastor in high school, his brother wrote a book, his brother, uh, Ray Bakke, wrote a book called Theology as Big as the City, uh, mm. about impacting, you know, urban ministry. Um, and he talks about the first gift of the Holy Spirit, which was actually an art committee to build the tabernacle. He's, and in in that, he basically says in there, why does this poor migrant community in the middle of the desert uh, need art? as the first gift of the Holy Spirit. Like, what is it? You know, and it's because of beauty. Like, yeah. they have to be reminded as they're in the middle of their journey, in the middle of the desert, of their walking, they're like, where are we going? What are we doing? They got to be reminded that God is beautiful. He's put beautiful things in place. Um, and so he said, here's this gift. And so I really believe the art and the arts is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's a yeah. gift that the Holy Spirit can give us to really point to God. You know, we were doing at All Nations here, a mission right. agency. There's somebody do. she does a uh, book, book club. And she's reading uh, a biography of uh, Lilius Trotter. Oh, uh, yes, we know that. We know them. Yeah? Well, we, our friends, um, our friends did a little short film on Lilius Trotter. Really? Yeah, up in D.C. about five years ago. Yeah. It's wow. funny that I don't, I think she's kind of not that well known, but keep going. she's not that well known, but I yeah, think she's getting uh, more well known. I, we just had a conversation at our house church last week and, a, and one of the guys in our, our house church was like, Lilius Trotter. She's amazing. And he's like, I found her because of a, some random footnote in a book that I was reading and I followed it and I got to this book and I've been reading all about Lilius Trotter, but she basically could have been one of the, best artists of all time um and uh, you know she decided to spend her life um among north african arabs uh live there and really in her journals would be painting uh painting jesus stories and and painting things and so my colleague in the, the office mm -hmm. next to me has one of her paintings and and a two of her paintings mm -hmm. and quotes that she uh she says uh, remember in the in the darkness what you have been reminded about in the light, um, and so she that art mm -hmm. actually she Lilius Trotter was so ahead of her time, saying I'm going to point people to God through this and through this yeah. artistry that the gift that God has given me, um, yeah. and you know a lot of people at that time were saying you, you can't use your gift, but God's given you something, and so what's in in your sphere in your your world, I talked a lot. So in your sphere in your world, how does art play in pointing people to God in the arts? Yeah, well, it's interesting. 
so our friend who's actually in the short film yeah. that I'll have to send you a link for. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> he was, he started the Washington arts group in DC and he was doing theology in the arts before it was cool, like 40 years mm. ago. And when, when we moved to Fredericksburg, he came and saw our student center space, uh, which is a beautiful building right by yeah. campus. And he said, I've got some art. I'm going to loan you. Mm. And I mean, there, it's huge. Art. It's like, you see that mirror. It's like yeah. that size wow. art um, pictures of the passion play um, African-American, um, families in Southeast Washington. It's, it's stunning. And so I think I didn't even, I think my husband understood the magnitude of that when they got installed, you know, 11 years ago. And I think I was slower to to understand just how important that was and and Mm. how, yeah, just how important it was to set the feeling, to set the tone for the space. And, um, and since then, of course, we've installed like you know, the right lights and stuff so that we can have, um, we have art shows from time to time and yeah. art openings. And, you know, we've got, you know, art majors that do their senior show there. And so we, we've really, we've expanded what we've done with it. We also, I started about five years ago, I started, um, I just call it the art room. So once a month we do art classes where we bring in a local artist and a teacher, someone who teaches art as well, and just enter into a creative exercise practice you know, using paint, using clay, yeah. doing something to create something, um, to, to really to experience God, to interact with God through it. So it's mm-hmm. a sort of like creative, prayerful exercise. So, so that's how we've been using it. Um, but it's, it's so funny that you mentioned the Lily Estrada <laughs> because um, <laughs> not many people know her. And that's yeah. how it kind of started was um, our friend just loaning us this, I mean, very like large, significant art that you can't help like you can't help it. It's not that you just might miss it on the wall. Mm, <laughs> it's yeah. like it takes up the whole wall, um, all, all up and down the, the hallway. So um, mm. anyway, great question. Yeah, I think there's just I think there's just going to be more of that. I think we were fortunate to have a friend who had been in that kind of in that space for a while, coming yeah. and bless us with some art um, that we got to kind of live into. But I think mm. we're going to see more and more of that. And um, I just I'm excited for that. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. I mean, one of my Actually, one book that I really loved uh, is is a guy who wrote a book called Movies or Prayers. But just in the arts that in film and television and stage productions and in art and music, um, there's so many things that I, you know, would classify people would classify as secular, but really points us to the nature of God who he is that points us to God and brings us to uh, a spiritual experience that, you know, I may not experience in, in, in traditional spiritual places, but I have something that, that actually moves me in a way that God is using to further his purposes. (laughs) I'm thinking of a short film that I saw that Rich Lotus played um, recently at this, um, gathering I was part of and it was like a four minute film of silent and it was just basically um mothers and sons um being forced to spend like I don't know a couple minutes in each other with no with without saying mm. anything just looking yeah. at each other and of course by the everyone's crying by the end and um <laughs> anyway so but but just that like that simple yeah. that simple artistic expression that moves people to tears and and makes you even like reconsider your own, hmm. you know, familiar relationships and the 
anyway, I, I just was kind of astounded by <laughs> yeah that little vignette. Yeah, it's beautiful. So, it, you know, if you sit in a spot, do you help people enter into the silence and presence with one another so that they could get to that point, like a mother and son facing each other and getting to the point of deep realization that only silence and presence can do. Yeah. hundred percent. That's what we do. We do a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we do a lot of that. A lot of awkward silence that becomes less and less awkward <laughs> yeah. as people, as people realize what's happening and become comfortable and open to God mm. in that time. Yeah. So what are some, uh, uh, a story of transformation or two mm. about with that? Yeah. Gosh, I'm looking over here at our sunroom. Um, about a year and a half ago, uh, there was um, a woman. She now works with us, which is kind of a cool story. But she um, came to me for prayer. She just said, "I'm, you know, I feel like I, I just feeling really restless. I've got this one situation that's causing me a lot of angst, and so I just would you just pray for me?" And so I simply took this. You know, I had never done this before. I was just following, kind of like you're doing right now, yeah. just following the Holy Spirit, and so. I just said, okay, let's just, let's just take a minute. Let's take a couple deep breaths. Let's just be here and ask the Lord to, to show us what he's doing. And we know he's with us. And, and so I, I said, the first thing I said was, um, let's take a minute just to, to listen what's happening outside of us. Like, what do we hear outside, outside this room, outside, you know, just what do we hear? And we took note of birds or cars or whatever. And then I said, well, now let's just turn our focus inward and, um, and listen and what, you know, what, 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 what can you hear or perceive is happening on the inside? And, and that just led us into this, like, I mean, she was able to pinpoint kind of what was causing her the angst and the anxiety and, and, and I mean, truly like it's her story to tell, but I mean, she, she says that, that that just set her on a journey. And based on that conversation, I sent her with a simple book on Psalm 23. Mm. And I sent her on a silent retreat at our center. And I said, leave your phone home. Don't talk to anybody. Just take this book, take your journal and, and spend the whole day just talking with God about, about how he's, you know, what he feels about you anyway. Mm. So I don't know if that's answering your question, but yeah. I just think, you know, just giving people, it doesn't, here's what I'm learning is it doesn't take much. It yep. just takes a little bit of like a little bit of guidance mm -hmm. to create a safe space and, and invite people, give them permission mm. to, 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 to listen, to be calm, to be introspective, to be reflective and, and to invite caught into even what they're feeling or what they're experiencing. Yeah. And it's almost, yeah, it's just, so I, I have started this, um, started this little, that's an LLC, but it's, it's really, um, it's called created space. And it's just, a, it, it's the name that I just feel like that's what I do for people is I just, mm. and it's not that I'm creating the space. I mean, yeah. the, 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 the Lord gave me the name created space because he has created all time and space. Yeah. And so it's how, how we occupy the space is, um, is what matters. And yeah. so, it's already been created and it's just mm -hmm. about how we occupy time and space. Wow. So, um, so yeah, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I think, you know, well, I think that's beautiful set 
of transformation and then sitting in God's presence, silent for a day of, you know, retreat. And, you know, you said, ask, like, hey, ask God what he thinks about you. Like, that's a, a huge thing because we often, one, we we forget every day what God thinks about us. And right. we, we listen to all the lies of, of people around us or the lies that we tell ourselves, And it's yeah. usually the lies that we tell ourselves are the things that get us to get us off and yeah. off center and off alignment. And just to come back to that um, over and over again, yeah. ask God, what does he think about you? Yeah. What does he say about you? Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. That's another one of the exercises we do um, as part of my course is called two-way journaling. Mm-hmm. Uh, borrowing it. I think I first heard it by Mark Vick Berkler. Um, but it's where, you know, you're able to express kind of your thoughts to God and then you wait a second and you ask him to respond to what yeah. you're thinking. So it feels very unnatural a little bit in the beginning. You're like, mm-hmm. are these my words or God's <laughs> words? Yep. Um, but as you do it, you start to, you know, see, you start to realize that God, God always wants to speak, you know, into our lives and he wants to tell us how much he loves us and how much he sees for us. And wants to give us and Mm. um but we just you know we just have to slow down and you know make space to yeah to hear him yeah you need some created space um (laughs) (laughs) you know we i had a friend as as he was teaching that two-way journaling that he would write a every time that he would be speaking to god he would write an up arrow every time that that God would speak to him, he would write a down arrow. And so as he's going through his journal, he could actually say, oh, these were God's words to me. These are my words to God. And so it actually helped as he looked back on the journal. Um, and that, you know, that's a great discipline and great practice to be able to do that. Yeah, I should do it more often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. I should do a lot of things more often. Than I do. <laughs> but I I don't. <laughs> that's my confession. <laughs> no, I have a, a yeah, a couple of uh, a couple of questions at the end. Mm-hmm. One, if you could go back to your twenty one year old self, oh, what advice mm-hmm. would you give? Advice. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I think don't try and solve your problems alone. <laughs> like um, bring them to some trusted friends or community don't don't try and figure don't try and self-soothe or figure out <laughs> your life by yourself um mm. do it in community and even if that means like calling a friend that doesn't live near you or yeah. calling a family member or somebody just you know reach out to somebody who can be in it with you as you as you navigate some of the major decisions that happened at 21 <laughs> yeah i mean that's important for everybody these days too is don't yeah. Don't do it on your own. Do it in community and find that community and find those people and really reach out. Um, And really, this is the thing that I I really believe is that everybody is self-centered. And Mm -hmm. so we all think about ourselves and we think about our own little world and we forget about everybody else around us. Um, And so we actually have to be proactive and reach out to others to build and form community yeah. because we can't always wait for people to reach out to us. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Be vulnerable. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's a difficult and a hard thing. I mean, I yes. couldn't do it when I was in my, 
early 20s in my 20s i i spent a lot of time on my own and yeah. uh, i wish i reached out and not waited for people to come to me because again yeah. as soon as i reached out life was better <laughs> <laughs> turns out yeah me too yep i definitely isolated and just tried to navigate things mm. i'm i'm an introvert and internal processor so i thought that was the way but I would have gotten where I needed to go a lot faster if I yeah. <laughs> fight somebody into it. <laughs> That's good. Uh, yeah. Besides uh, the book on on uh, Psalm twenty three, anything yeah. else you've been reading or watching that you could recommend? Hmm. Let's see here. Oh well, I've really stepped in. We're kind of going all in with um, the. There's this. There's a book and a podcast called The Other Half of Church, mm. and it has everything mm-hmm. to do with the right brain kind yeah. of developing the right brain spirituality. You may be familiar with it because a lot of them are in Kansas yep. City. Yeah. Um, so um, we've, we're kind of going all in with that as we form culture in our house. Jim church. Wilder, is that right? Yep, yep. Yeah. yeah, I was introduced to Jim Wilder eight years ago. I went to some of the Life Model conferences. And um, I think over the last eight years, they've, they've just been able to articulate what they're what they're doing in a way that is really landing mm. with people. And it's very compelling to think about, you know, building, building joy in community and, yeah. and just this idea that God is, you know, the joy is, you know, the joy is the feeling we have when someone's excited to be with us and that Jesus <laughs> feels that way about us. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so we're kind of going all in with other half of church and um, anything by Henry Nowen. The mm-hmm. last, the latest one I wrote with the last one was uh, his, it's the newest one, of course, it's just a compilation of his writings, mm-hmm. but it's the newest one to be released called Following Jesus. Very simple. It mm-hmm. has to do with um, um, something, something in the age of anxiety. And mm. it was, it was, I mean, anything by him now is great. And yeah, yeah, those are some of my go-tos. That's currently what's happening. Mm. That's good. I was trying to uh, come up with Jim Wilder's name uh, the other day and in my head, all I had was Gene Wilder. I was like, it's not Willy Wonka. <laughs> it's not Willy Wonka. <laughs> it's someone else. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> so I was recommending Willy Wonka to people. <laughs> so it's good. Uh, yeah. So how can people connect uh, with you and what you're doing? Yeah, sure. I mean, it, I, I created space is createdspace.org. Um, I, you know, I'm, you can check out what I'm doing kind of on discernment with uh, ministry leaders and business owners on that page. Um, it's probably the best way to get in touch with me. Um, my husband, I don't know if this is okay to have a shameless plug, but my husband has a book coming out in the end of March uh, called mm. Bringing Church Home. Um, cool. It's going to be kind of a reflection of Pope John Paul's theology of the body and theology mm. of marriage and how to help um, couples and families and even mm. single people who are willing to uh, be on mission with their household, mm. kind of how to um, not, not that we're, it's not about like only church in the home. It's just how to help equip families on mission and yeah. households on mission. Um, just people living intentionally in their neighborhoods. So, so, good. so that'll be coming out soon. And that's exciting. Um, that'll be a a, a way that we can sort of train kind of our the, the model that's been helpful for us in households. Mm. You know, one of the things that uh, just a random thought um, that you know was, there was a, a movement 
in the Philippines uh, church planting movement that really got off the ground and they started to multiply when they had every family write out their family mission statement. Mm. And that's the way that the movement actually started to accelerate and grow was family mission statements. Cool. Yeah. That's that's kind of of what we're talking about, you know, just getting people to understand um, kind of what God made. You know, family is the institution that God designed. Yep. You know, a lot of the other ones are ones that man has come up with. And so God instituted family. And so what yeah. does that mean um, for for us on mission um, with him? So yeah. that's cool. Yeah. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, it's hmm. good. Well, Carrie, it was a, a pleasure to talk to you. And I thank you for this. This is really good. Um, it went some into some fun places. And uh, I really, you know, to be able to, to create some space to have presence with God and with one another, to be able to do life with others so that you bring and embody the Spirit and embody Jesus with others so that people could catch life with God and not just be taught it um, is really important and really cool. And so thank you for that. Um, It was really good. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It was so fun to be here. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to see more episodes like this, go to patreon.com slash shifting culture and become a monthly patron of the show. You can help us produce more episodes so that we can see the body of Christ look more like Jesus. If you become a patron on patreon.com slash shifting culture, you will get early access to episodes. You will get episode guides. You will get bonus shows, hopefully, and more. So go to patreon.com slash shifting culture and become a monthly patron. Also leave a rating and review on Apple podcasts. Uh, It really helps us out and helps us find new listeners to the show and just go and share this podcast with your friends, your family, your network, people that you think would enjoy it as well. Thank you again for listening to the show. I hope you have a great week.